Dalmeno and you're listening to The Great Up Leveler, where lives are lived and dreams fulfilled. Today I'm talking to Katerina Cosgrove, who is an author and a good friend of mine. I met Katerina in 2004 when I went to university and studied creative writing. Although Katerina and I are at the same age, she was my first year writing teacher. Katerina and I spoke about the transitional story from moving from the big city, Sydney, to a semi-rural environment, which is the Sunshine Coast. We're living right on the edge of the Great Sandy National Park here in Kuroiba, in the Noosa hinterland. And living in nature has been very grounding and inspiring, even after three weeks. Mm-hmm. And what made you move from Sydney in the first place? It was a combination of things. We owned a big trophy home in the northern beaches of Sydney, in Avalon, and we had a lot of debt and my husband was working crazy hours and then in 2010 my sister died and her early death spurred us to think about what really matters in life and how can we enjoy the last part of our lives no matter how much time we have left. So we thought okay let's get rid of all the debt Let's leave the city and live a simpler, more fulfilling life. And was that daunting at the beginning or was it quite a natural move? Uh, I think it took a couple of steps to get to this point. So we left Sydney and went to Byron for a year and I think if we hadn't done that we wouldn't have been able to come even further north and live on land. And what do you hope to get from living on the land? I hope to get my priorities right. And what sort of steps have you made in order to to Um, do that? What's the transition that you've made from Byron? So um, even just thinking about where our water comes from and how much water we have, thinking about where the food we eat comes from, thinking about the health of the soil and honouring the land that we're standing on um, are not just empty concepts anymore, they've become more real to us. And was that as a result of your sister dying, do you think, that real connection or do you think you've always been like that even in Avalon, conscientious? No, I think in Avalon we were very caught up in acquiring and maintaining what we had as opposed to shedding as much as possible and living a quieter simpler life I think we were still caught up in a rat race of some kind even in Avalon and when you look back now to those days in Avalon so how many years ago do you think that was three so we uh, we sold our house in 2012 and then rented for a while within the northern beaches and then we waited until our daughter had finished primary school before we made the the move. So when you look back to that time in Avalon, 
with that rat race can you recognize yourself have you changed so much that that person that you once was mm. a distant memory or no i think the core of our desires were always there but we just didn't know how to fulfill them or go towards them in a healthy manner yeah so when i look around now you're in a beautiful simple home and i know that you've gotten rid of a lot of your possessions and really pared back mm. how has that affected the way that you live and your mentality i guess and well that the biggest um getting rid of or loss was getting rid of 10,000 books so i had always prided myself on being a literate person and, and a reader and prided myself on having a big library a collection of hand-picked books having been a bookseller i was always getting the best books and hiving them away and um just giving away those books was almost like a little death uh you know Eckhart Tolle talks about dying before you die and that's what that felt like so is that with each individual <coughs> book and some more more in particular oh, yeah I mean, there were first editions there were signed editions there were books with sentimental significance with people's writing in the flyleaf uh i mean obviously we've kept a few but nothing like what we had we even had custom built bookshelves for our books so yeah we've just become more nomadic and had to shed along the way and i guess you're talking about it being <clears throat> processed through different steps was that the same with the books did it take a while for you to cull or was it an immediate decision uh, uh we put the books in storage so there you go there was another step so you take them out of the house and then after that it was easier to give them away but of course having a kindle makes that easier because you can have access to books 24 hours a day and why the choice to give away as opposed to sell because you were a bookseller mm we tend to we never sell our possessions we tend to give them away and we've never sold anything and how does how does that feel in general to give away what's the difference with the feeling less attachment lightness and also gratitude that somebody will benefit from it mm-hmm. without exchanging money and do you accept gifts from other people oh such? all the time all the time i think we live in a a, a subculture of a gifting economy in a way Yeah. with our friends yeah i mean most of the clothes i'm wearing have been given to me yeah. the jewelry i'm wearing <laughs> so what goes around comes around oh, yeah yeah and so the move to byron bay was the transition mm. and can you just talk about the community a little bit mm. so we um just by chance landed up in tiagara which is about 10 minutes north of byron bordering the national park and it's up high on a ridge looking out over the pacific mm. beautiful area and our neighbors opposite us were a um bhagwan rajneesh osho ashram and um, they're not really an ashram anymore they're more a conscious community but uh it was our first taste of that sort of collective environment meeting those people and uh going to their wednesday night dinners and 
finding out all about the history and the drama of the Osho communes in the past. And did that open your eyes to another way of living or what what did you take away from that experience? Um, I think as children in a conservative upbringing and society were brought up to think that any sort of communal living is a cult. Mm -hmm. But um, having seen how it works in reality, it's actually a really smart way (laughs) to live. Everybody has their role, and as long as they fulfil that role, everything runs really smoothly. So, yeah, it was an eye-opener. And I guess it does get a little political too now and again with um, personalities. Oh, yeah. and, and that can happen even with, you know, neighbours in their quarter-acre blocks. Mm. Yeah, so human nature will always be human nature when you look at the Osho debacle that happened in Oregon, mm. and you see that... No matter how enlightened you think you are, you know, there's always cracks. Hmm. And so I wonder if they had a committee that um, was assigned to do certain things around, so it functioned... The ashram now, the Gondwana. Yeah, how it runs Um, as a community. Yeah, they they have meetings all the time, but there's no hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you've also been to the one up here in Mullaney, haven't you, to visit? Yeah, Crystal, Crystal Waters. Waters, yeah. yeah. Do you know anything about the way that that's run? Is it no, similar? No, I don't. Do you? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, just that it's run with little com- committees and they have, like, the maintenance. Oh, okay, so they each have a role, a different role. They have their yeah. roles, yeah. yeah. And, and different positions in that mm. role, and then they get together and all discuss as a big group, mm. and then the little subsections go and do their job so yeah how many people live at crystal waters i'm not too sure no, I don't know me either. too much Must, about it seems quite large yeah and yeah. it's been 30 years it was developed mm. but it works well because they do tend to listen to each other and mm. work together mm. the dynamic works to form the community yes. yeah yeah it's yeah, a great so. way to bring up kids i think as they say, it takes a village. Yeah. And that is the quintessential village. I asked Katerina if she felt isolated living on the Sunshine Coast on a large acreage block. We've met school parents who are like-minded. We've met a homeschooling community. We've met uh, people who are involved in the arts and dance and spiritual pursuits. So surprisingly, here in hinterland Queensland, we've probably met more like-minded people than we ever have. So you feel at home and this is now the place where you will be for quite some time? We're, We're envisaging that this will be our base travelling overseas um, we tend to go to Greece about once a year so hopefully that will continue and eventually we'll probably live in Greece for six month blocks and keep this as a home base mm-hmm. and so with the like minded communities I guess do you like tap in and out as you like or you find that there's that support network they they're reliable or it's more something a bit more transient we have a core group of friends that we can most definitely rely on who live on the sunshine coast Mm -hmm. 
But we also have old friends from Sydney and family who regularly come and visit and stay with us. Mm -hmm. So we really, at the moment, have the best of both worlds. Right. And how's that connection with living on the land panning out for you so far? Because it's only been three weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, it's only been... We're in our third week of being here. Uh, I feel as though I have much to learn. I was interested to know what the catalyst for the move was. And Katerina described it as this. So the catalyst was my sister dying from um, metastasis of melanoma, which was a year to the month after I had been diagnosed with the same cancer. So the fact that I survived and she didn't made me realise that I needed to look closely at what I thought was real and important. And, you know, there's that Leonard Cohen saying, the crack is where the light gets in. So when we're broken open, when we're trudging through a sea of mud, um, that's when we usually gain some sort of epiphany. We don't like to admit it, but suffering brings wisdom. So in my case, it was, yeah, it was going through the death of somebody young and close to me in the same way that I could have died. That really hit home. Mm. And I wonder whether that coincides as it does in Buddhism with that spiritual growth. Did you find that? Well, I suppose <laughs> um, the more I grow, the more I realise how little growth I have. So it's that, you know, Socratic saying, the more I know, the more I realise how much I don't know. Um, but I do feel that I'm on a more authentic, spiritual searching than I ever have been. And so you're seeking out groups of people or tribes that have a similar mentality or come to the same conclusion or a higher consciousness, do you think? Or are you just gravitating more towards that kind of realm because you're, you're investigating that within yourself? Or are you just open to anybody yeah, well, I think I'm pretty open to talking to strangers. <laughs> and that's usually how I meet friends. Um, you know, Ram Das, you know, from the 70s, be here now, he says, talk to everybody as if they're God in drag. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's hard because we have our own prejudices and preconceptions and agendas but if I let that drop away he's right even the people who annoy us and exasperate us and drive us insane they're probably our biggest teachers the question is what's the lesson sometimes I can't work that out 
And also, at what point do you realise that you're actually on different wavelengths, so there's no lesson there? Mm -hmm. Or the lesson's been, it's been taught, it's done. Mm -hmm. That's, I suppose, therein lies wisdom, when to call it quits, when to say enough is enough. Yeah. But we all have those people in our lives. Absolutely, but tip your hat at the stranger and keep walking. Yeah, yeah, or just be kind and compassionate but neutral. Mm-hmm. Don't get involved. Right. Yeah, sometimes we need to not get involved in everybody's story. Mm-hmm. And that's more of a city thing, isn't it? I guess you actually can't be open to every single person. Mm-hmm. And maybe it brings that more alive in more of a rural environment or on the beach or... Mm-hmm in a more laid-back setting. Do you find that the, the difference between the friendliness here as opposed to a big city like Sydney, for example? Uh, I don't find such a contrast because Avalon, where we had our home in the Northern Beaches, was very much like a village. So it was similar to the way that people are open and friendly here. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that in general Australians are pretty open and friendly. Yeah. Uh, but living in a semi-rural environment like this, where we are now in the hinterland, you do find that people... It's not so much a surface friendliness, but if you need help, someone will give you help. And I just wonder, I guess I'm kind of leading to the question of the internet age where we pick and choose what we want to learn next and what we want to be exposed to and we're so highly marketed at with the um, Facebook, for example, social media, with our feeds, we open up particular things that fascinate us. Mm. I wonder how that transpires in the real real world, face-to-face. So you're saying like that echo chamber situation where you'll only see articles that already confirm what you believe absolutely and only hang out with people that are like you yeah with yes. this similar mindset and yeah. you ignore the ones what yours but it's kind of nice to hear you say well it is nice to hear you say that you you're very open to strangers you're not yeah. shutting down the potential that that person is I different will, i will talk to anyone uh-huh. So I will be, I am exposed to people who obviously voted for Scott Morrison and don't believe in climate change and think Trump is wonderful. So yes, I try to be compassionate uh, and just relate to that person as a fellow soul. But obviously, if the conversation turns to politics and science... I will say what I believe. Okay. Yeah. You won't exit. I'm not going to pretend. <laughs> no, I wouldn't exit unless they were aggressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were members of my own family who once upon a time voted for Tony Abbott. <laughs> You've been listening to The Great Up Leveller. Thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find out further information from our website at thegreatupleveler.com or you can also check us out on social media, Facebook at The Great Up Leveler. And I'm Kim Balmano and it's been a pleasure being your host. Join us next time. Look forward to it. Mm-hmm.